please tell us something about your musical education. Oh, my education? Well, um, I went to, first I went to USC, University of Southern California School of Music. Mm -hmm. After that, I went to Manhattan School of Music, and I studied jazz performance. Um, but I also took a lot of classes on orchestration and, and studied a lot of classical music history. But I think that led me to a fairly diverse bit of knowledge. Um, I hope I played in rock bands as a kid. I sang opera as a kid. So I, I got to experience a lot of different things. I did, a, did several internships with some prominent musicians and I almost learned more from that than college. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I tried to keep my education diverse and wide and open to really what I loved rather than what I was supposed to learn. Mm -hmm. Great. What is your favorite instrument within or outside an orchestra? My favorite instrument? It changes daily, I've got to say. Mm -hmm. um, this last year, my son has been learning to play the cello, oh. and I started learning a little bit myself. And um, if, I, if I had to pick one instrument to be on an island with, it would either be a guitar or a cello, I think. Mm -hmm. a, pi a pipe organ would be no fun on a deserted island, so I'm yeah. joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and I, I recently went to cello camp with him, which was really fun, at the National Cello Institute. We just spent a week there a few weeks ago and got to get really inside um, a lot of subtleties of the instrument. So I'm having a lot of fun uh, studying the cello right now. Mm -hmm. Cello camp uh, sounds interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a uh, in in um, Pomona, California. There's a camp every summer called the National Cello Institute, mm -hmm. and um, I spent five days there earlier in the summer, basically carrying my son's cello from room to room as a roadie. But uh, it was a great experience, and and I just enjoyed being around such great musicians for so focused on one instrument. In a mm -hmm. week like that, it's something I plan on doing again. And how is your approach in composing music? I tend to use analogies a lot. Um, and one of my favorite analogies these days seems to be cooking. Um, uh, my wife's a really good cook. I'm, a, I'm an okay cook. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I, I like to think of when I'm writing a score that I've, I've got to start out with really good ingredients. Mm -hmm. And so I work a lot on how, not only what instruments I'm going to use, but how I'm going to record them and produce them down to microphones and reverbs and, and processing and um, make sure that, in other words, I'm working with really good ingredients. If you want to make a good fish dinner, you got to start with the perfect piece of fish. It has to be fresh. It has to be um, the right size, thickness and everything, and you need the proper stove and oven. And, and, and if you get those things really right... Mm -hmm. um, you can do something really simple, and it can have a very powerful effect. And so the, the cooking analogy is, is something I'm really hooked on to right now. It'll probably be different this afternoon, but that's the one for now. Um, and, and that's a, real, uh, it's a, it's a really important focus for me. Is, um, uh, I think when you hear a really great score, uh, these days they, they tend to have a very unique and defined production value. Uh, maybe 20 years ago or 30 years ago, that was left more to the engineer, where you would just go in a room with an orchestra, and it was often the same room with the same mics, and it really came down to the subtlety of brilliant orchestration uh, and the performance of the orchestra conducting and things like that. But 
these days, I think things are a little different. It's uh, there's a good film composer needs to be an excellent producer. Because mm -hmm. um, more work with computers and samples and such things. Absolutely. I mean, you have to be very fluid with computers, as I proved I was not by delaying our interview this morning, not getting Skype going. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm pretty good with computers in general. Mm -hmm. So you uh, often use with a sample, as uh, uh, work with some samples, or really uh, do you prefer the real musicers? Uh, you know, there's less going on with samples now, um, although there's more for me going on with computers. Um, uh, my studio is set up for a lot of live recording, and mm -hmm. um, it's very easy uh, and quick for me to get uh, going with live recording. And so what's happened now is I like to say that MIDI is the new audio. Mm -hmm. In other words, if I'm going to record uh, a simple symbol thing, I often won't use a sample because it's so easy for me to just, I have symbols set up all the time. I'll just do it myself or bring in a percussionist and do it very quickly. And then I can manipulate the audio after I've recorded it to be what I want. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of the times I'm recording very quickly, not very specifically. And then I use Melodyne um, and different types of editing systems to create exactly what I need the recording to be. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of different sounds I've been experimenting with these days. I like to use an Ebo on an acoustic guitar. Um, I, I have an upright bass in here right now that I've been playing with uh, different types of rubber mallets and things like that and miking it very closely. Uh, these are all things that, that when they come out into the production, you might hear them almost as a sample, but They're, they're coming from an organic source, and I think that goes back to the original analogy of cooking. Of It's coming with something which begins organically mm -hmm. and then evolves from there. Cool. Who are your personal or musical idols, if you have them? Mm, so many, so many. Um, I mean, these days, I, I, if I had to go to things that really inspire me, is that I'm, I'm never... Uh, I'm never not in love with Led Zeppelin. I just always can go back and listen to Led Zeppelin and mm -hmm. draw inspiration and, and, and passion and my love of music. Um, in terms of film composers, I'm constantly in awe of John Williams and Elmer Bernstein. And uh, in the classical world, I I'd, I'd probably draw back to Bella Bartok and Igor Stravinsky a lot. Um, It just seems like the amount of music that I love and the difference in styles is just, uh, it's pretty vast. I mean, I could go on about Django Reinhardt and, um, you know, there's just so, so many different things I like. Mm -hmm. uh, it just seems to change almost with what I'm creating. If I'm on a project where I have to draw from a different style, well, then I'll start listening to that style and all of a sudden that'll be all I think about for a few weeks. Cool. And are there any soundtracks albums by other composers in your music collection? Oh, yeah. I mean, I listen to a lot of scores. Mm -hmm. um, I probably have several thousand of them. So I try to really listen to a lot of things. I mean, I'm always really enjoying uh, what Hans Zimmer's doing, James Newton Howard, and um, John Powell is really one of my 
favorite composers. I, I always hear John just do incredibly brilliant things every time he does something. And so I always call it the John Powell bar, which is the one that all of the film composers these days should be measured by. Mm -hmm. And what was the last uh, soundtrack album you've bought? That I bought? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. I don't know. I'd have to go in and um, maybe it was Inception. Mm -hmm. Uh... But I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I literally, I probably buy all, I buy all of them. And also I'm in the Motion Picture Academy, so I get sent almost everything as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I probably end up with a couple hundred a year, and I try to scan them and listen to the ones that I'm, I'm really interested in. And, uh, but I think it, it's very important for a film composer to not just listen to scores. In fact, to almost just think of um, uh, scores as something that you s sort of stay in touch with to see how the sound of film scores is changing mm -hmm. um, and to keep your listening really diverse and wide um, and to focus on other things besides scores. And I think that's one way that scores get rich and good sounding. Mm -hmm. What was uh, your very first assignment as a film music composer? Mm. Um, the first thing I ever worked on that was, was for television um, and I was an assistant to Ryuichi Sakamoto on a miniseries called Wild Palms that Oliver Stone produced in the mid-90s, mm -hmm. um, or was it the early 90s? And so I was just at a, just finishing up college, and um, I all of a sudden had an opportunity to work with Ryuichi Sakamoto, and uh, he really liked my synthesizer work, and so I did a lot of the synth work on that score, and um, that was what really got me excited about working on film music and um, I was completely hooked at the end of that project although I wasn't the composer um, I got to see everything right up close and it was uh, all it really took for me to move to California and set that out as what I wanted to do with my life. Mm -hmm. Do you like or enjoy writing whole themes for characters or settings or do you try more to describe the mood of a particular movie? That's a good question. I think uh, it goes back a little bit to the idea that the, I believe that one of the reasons we have music and film is because of the um, European history of, of opera. And mm -hmm. uh, if you think of opera in terms of recit and aria, mm -hmm. um, you can think of a film score in terms of theme or a big aria-ish cue. Um, and then you can think of maybe cues that are less important or um, serve a different purpose of almost a, a color or a hue or a lens over a scene that are not meant to draw their attention and, and probably don't want a lot of big thematic material in a moment like that. Um, they're both equally challenging. Um, I think having a great theme is really important, although there's probably less thematic music in film scores today than there was years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and I have theories as to why, but uh, I, they're both equally challenging. But I do, I must say that I, I enjoy getting a good theme, finding out where to put it. Um, I enjoy studying the structure of storytelling. Mm -hmm. And I think that when a composer understands the structure of storytelling, they can pinpoint where their thematic material can pay off emotionally. Mm -hmm. And which genre do you prefer to make music for? 
Well, I, I get pigeonholed a lot into very dark things. Mm -hmm. uh, and I do like doing that. I, I do enjoy scaring people. Um, but I, I think the best thing is really switching around, um, mm -hmm. doing different things. I'm actually spending some time right now working on a TV series, that, which is coming on in September, called The Secret Circle, which is about witches. Mm -hmm. And I'm having a great time writing this, and I really enjoy the show. Uh, because the witchcraft is very spooky and dark, but it's also, it also comes from maybe a more feminine perspective. Mm -hmm. and, it's, um, and there's something beautiful and sinister at the same time. And I'm, I'm, I'm just really enjoying writing this, and I hope people like the show. Uh, I think in Germany, uh, yeah, it could... Well, Do you guys have vamp Vampire Diaries is popular there, right? Oh yeah, I think so, but I've never seen it, um, but I love Moonlight. This show's on right after Vampire Diaries, so... Oh, yeah. yeah, so perhaps next year in autumn? I would think this this winter, I'm not sure when. If it starts here in September, I'm not sure how long it takes to get to Germany. Oh, very long. Um, I think the Borgias uh, will start in autumn, so that's September, I, I, I hope. Or oh, really? March next year. Hmm. <laughs> so it takes a long time to synchronize and, uh, yeah. Yeah. So you have uh, make a lot of music for horror movies. Yeah. Um, have you still fear when you're watching a horror movie? Uh, when, I'm, when a horror movie scares me, it really impresses me. Mm -hmm. um, there was one movie this year which I thought was really scary, and that was Insidious. Did you see that? No. Oh, it's a wonderful film. Um, and um, I think it's very difficult to scare, really scare an audience these days, although it's a, it's a wonderful thing to achieve. And I have a teenage daughter, mm -hmm. and, um, and her friends, their goal is just often to have something scare them. There's something they just they just really want that, and they see a movie that doesn't scare them, and then they laugh at it, and they think it's kind of funny. But uh, it's it, very interesting to watch what scares teenagers in this generation. Mm -hmm. It's different than what scared my generation, and so for me, that I write scores that are supposed to scare people my daughter's age, I, I watch very closely and see how they react and and when they get afraid. Um, and uh, because my work is a lot about getting that group to jump and mm -hmm. lose sleep over something terrifying. Hmm. It could be easy for me because, uh, yeah, I... You get <laughs> uh, Oh, yeah, I have, uh, yeah, for example, I played Poltergeist uh, uh, yesterday evening, and, uh, yeah, my doorbell rings, no one was under the, uh, at the door, and I have fear a lot of, uh, very, very panic. <laughs> Now, I'm a huge fan of the movie Poltergeist, but I showed it to um, my daughter and her friends and, and didn't scare them at all. Oh. Yeah, not, at, not even at all. Mm. So it's very, it's, it's very um, interesting to see what scares them and what doesn't. I showed the movie The Others to them the other day and mm -hmm. terrified, absolutely terrified them. So mm. it's, um, it's kind of hit and miss and, and a lot of experimentation to see what connects with today's teenagers. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the best thing about composing music? Well, it's a great job um, to get to do. And uh, I've just been very fortunate to spend my life around music and doing what I love to do. Um, I think my favorite thing about writing music is how it uh, 
changes your perception of the passage of time when you're doing it. It's, um, when I go in to write music, it can be six o'clock in the morning, and the next thing I know is I look up and it's two in the afternoon, and I don't really have any concept or perception of where the time went, but I guess that means I'm enjoying it quite a bit. It's, it's, I often get so far removed from myself that I don't consciously know that it's enjoyment, but I think that's a good thing. It seems to really feel good to me when I have spent a long period of time in that state. Is there something that makes less fun for you? Uh, conforming to picture changes. I can't stand that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, they get, I get, they, they give me a new picture and I hear from the cutting room that they, they only made little changes. They took out a frame or two here and there. And that's really difficult to fix because if you have everything set to uh, hit this and that, mm -hmm. you can spend a couple days going back and, and it requires a great deal of cognitive uh, thinking to make your score sound and feel like it did before these little changes were made. And sometimes little changes are actually really important, and sometimes I think they're not. Uh, mm -hmm. But that is something in, in film scoring which I would like to see go away completely. And I've been working on, on writing a, a computer program that'll do most of it for me, all the subjective, all the objective part. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, um, and then it would delineate which fixes are subjective and objective. How big is the influence and the pressure from the producers and director when you're writing music? Um, well, the, uh, the, uh, the pressure I, I really like, I, it's almost self-imposed. It's sort of my best working environment. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't really view working or scoring a f film as John Frizzell coming in and writing what he wants and then that being it. That's not, I've never really seen it that way. I see it as a collaborative mm -hmm. uh, process. And I think that what can make that collaboration work is good communication. Um, and sometimes it's easier than others to actually establish that communication um, to make people feel that they can talk about music, um, to not take too much literal note giving to when someone gives you a note i try to gauge someone's physical reaction in the music as well as what they say about their mm -hmm. feelings to the music um and and i i do enjoy when there's a good team that has a vision of what the film should be and you can collaborate and try to make it now this can often go wrong and it's one of the trickiest parts of hollywood and and filmmaking because there's a lot of big personalities and so um you know maybe being a film composer is sort of a bit of psychology too Mm -hmm. How is your approach in a film like uh, Josie and the Pussycats, or the Pussycats <laughs> when you know that the soundtrack includes a lot of songs? That score, that's a fun little film. Um, mm -hmm. And that, one of the few kids' films I've ever done. Um, the, um, I, I think I arranged a few of the songs in there, and you, and you just have to sort of segue in and out of them. Again, realizing that if, you know, going back to what I said to about the big moments and the small moments, um, that the score was probably playing uh, a secondary role to the, to the songs, that the songs are really the pinnacle of what's going on. And um, a good score knows when to back off and to frame the important parts of the film or the, and the soundtrack to set them up for a payoff. And so I think that... Uh, 
it's important as a film composer to know to think on a higher level than just writing music to think about storytelling and to know when uh, it's important to play a smaller role and the size of the role that the film should play to accentuate the right shape. And how was the work on the movie of um, Beavis and Butthead? Mm, one of my favorites. I guess, you know, Beavis and Butthead is coming back on the air. Yeah, um, I heard about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the new episodes. Uh, I'm too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I was a huge fan of Beavis and Butthead, and, uh, and I sent Mike Judge. I really didn't have any credits at all when I, when I it was my, one of my very first films. And I sent in um, a cassette. Remember these audio tapes? That's right. Mm -hmm. Music used to be on tape. And um, I sent in an audio tape of my music, but I edited in clips of Beavis and Butthead uh, insulting me like mm -hmm. to a great degree, just saying how terrible a composer I was and going on and on and on and on until finally the tape just ended with them saying, this sucks. And um, I think Mike thought that was funny. And I got the interview for the job and I, and I my approach on the film was to uh, treat it with sort of an utter seriousness as, as the score takes everything so literally and seriously and doesn't really see any humor in it and I had had lunch I think around that time with Elmer Bernstein and we were talking about um, his score to Airplane and he expressed to me that that was his philosophy of good comedy writing uh, mm -hmm. That you, that you just play it with utter seriousness. Uh, a good example is when John Belushi gives his famous speech um, to the rest of his fraternity as he's coming down the stairs in um, Animal House. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so if there's any real inspiration in the tone of that score, it really goes to how Elmer approached his comedic writing. And I think Elmer made some of the greatest comedies of all time. Mm -hmm. I have to see this movie, I think. Um... Oh, I, I, there's a lot, lot of movies I have to see. <laughs> well, you've seen Animal House? Um, I really don't know. It could be a long oh, time yeah, ago. She great, really good comedy. Um, and an airplane is, of course, one of the classics of all time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dante's Peak is very uh, beautiful music from you, and uh, the theme is by jo uh, from J James Newton Howard. Um, right. Was it sure from of the beginning uh, that this piece used, or should you first write the theme? Well, James was going to score the film. This is, uh, again, one of my early projects for starting out, and James um, uh, couldn't do it. I think something changed with the schedule, mm -hmm. and, um, and James asked me to take the themes that he had written and incorporate them and complete the film, and it was an honor and a pleasure to uh, get to do that with James's great uh, you know, amazing writing. And I think that the beauty really of this score is really James's part. I um, used the theme to really express that and then tried to then uh, glue the whole thing together with a lot of action and tension. And Alien Resurrection is a, a very well-known score of you. And the mm -hmm. scores before that were written by Jerry Goldsmith, James Horner, Elliot Goldenthal. How much has the music influenced your score and for the fourth part? Well, I think that one has to take in the whole concept of the perception of the first three Alien films. Um, mm -hmm. That was my first thing, was to really feel how, you know, uh, if you look at Goldsmith's more romantic approach and maybe 
maybe a more of a militaristic approach in the second film from Horner and maybe a more of an aleatoric approach from Goldenthal. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a really, I'm really, you know, trimming it down in a, in a kind of brutally categorizing it right now. Um, but then the key element was Jean-Pierre Genet wanting a, a romantic, um, lyrical approach. Mm -hmm. And um, it's hard to say when, when you get when you just start writing how much of your verbal thinking is translated into that it's it's kind of um like dancing about architecture if you know what i mean mm -hmm. um it so I, I can't really say i mean uh, different people feel it in different ways is what the influence is but i i think the primary sound of that score is from my communication with jean-pierre Jeunet about how he wanted the story told mm -hmm. Ghost Ship was a very scary movie for me. I couldn't sleep for three nights and had nightmares for two weeks. Um, oh, I'm <laughs> so delighted to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> very proud of it. Um, because the movie and the music were so scary, especially the scene uh, with the song My Little Box. Was it difficult to write the uh, song for the scene? I co-wrote that song with um, two good friends, mm -hmm. um, Gabriel Mann, who's a composer now, he does the show Modern Family, and um, uh, Michal Lieberman. And um, there was supposed to be another song in there. At the last minute, there was a change where the producers needed another film, another, me, me to actually write the, write the uh, song. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think it was about 48 hours we had and just uh, got in the room and I got something going and those guys came in and Gabe came up with the lyrics. And... Um, You know, it was just kind of a whirlwind of not sleeping for a couple of days. I do like the song a lot, and mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of fun, and Gabe sounds really cool on it. And, um, he probably gets the, the award for making it, uh, you know, so dark and, mm -hmm. and creepy is the way he sang it. Yeah, it's, it's my uh, favorite scene, I, yeah, because the song uh, fits so perfect in the scene. Uh, I love well, it. Well, another thing about the scene is uh, Roger Barton... Uh, edited it real it's just wonderful editing it's it's mm -hmm. a very cool and stylistic look and so there was a lot to work with right there i'd like to take i, I think if you take the song away from the picture you get less than half of the effect i think mm -hmm. that uh, that roger's work uh, is to be definitely noted in in how much he made of that yeah oh yeah i uh, want to look uh, watch watch this movie again uh, but a day late <laughs> <laughs> For Gods and Generals, you have worked with Andy, uh, Randy Edelman on the score. Um, yeah. Do you know how it came uh, to this decision that you both wrote your music? You know, that was an interesting thing, a little bit like Dante's Peak. Um, mm -hmm. Randy scored Gettysburg. Randy was going to score Gods and Generals. Mm -hmm. uh, at the last minute, he had to work on the film. I think it was Triple um, X. Um, And then, so the schedule changed on that. And Randy had written four or five themes and, and called me and said, hey, you know, I got this crazy schedule thing. Can you uh, meet with the director and see if this can work out? And so I met with Ron Maxwell and uh, we were really excited about working together and um, came to the conclusion that the best thing was for me to just start writing. There was a huge amount of music to write and to incorporate what Randy had already started just right into it. It worked so well. And so I, I, I don't know the percentage of the numbers, but I think... I probably, I don't know, maybe my music is 75% of it or something like that. And um, so I just took what Randy had sketched out on the piano and started filling it in and put it where it seemed to work for the film. 
The film's being re-released, by the way, I think right now, this summer. It's on a, a new DVD, and there'll be a new version um, on television, which is uh, I, it's a sesquicentennial, the 150th anniversary of the beginning of that awful war. And so mm -hmm. there's a lot of um, uh, history buffs who are looking at the Civil War again. Mm -hmm. well, you've also written music for several TV series, such as United States of Terror or Moonlight. What is the difference between the work uh, for a TV series and the work for a movie? Well, you know, Terror, I wrote very little music. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's literally like a couple minutes of music mm -hmm. that was run. Uh, the first season had very almost no music in it at all. And Moonlight, I did four of those. Um, I think... I. That doing a series is uh, there's a certain diff a different time pressure, and mm -hmm. it's interesting to talk about it right now because I'm in the middle of it right now of getting the secret circle and new series going, and the key to making the score sound great or up to my standards of what I really want it to be is trying to eliminate as much of the busy work as I can so that all my time, what little time there is to write a score, is spent. Um, actually composing uh, mm -hmm. and um, and I think that's the really big challenge is how do you how do you get something really great going how do you do your best work in such a short period of time um, and and uh, that's what I'm, I'm wrestling with right now but I, I think I have some really good ideas on how to do it um, I've been talking and working with uh, some different computer consultants about automating parts of my work which are repetitive tasks that a computer should really do and have come a really long way uh, in my studio and creating some uh, new computer uh, they're not really programs they're written in apple scripts so they're they're basically apple scripts that mm -hmm. take away a lot of the repetitive work um, and free me up so that i think i'm going to about triple the amount of time that is actually spent writing mm -hmm. cool um, Yeah, kind of a long-winded way to say that um, computers have a long way to go commercially to maximize a, a composer's work day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Moonlight, uh, I know the series, and I uh, I miss the series because, uh, yeah, it was good, <laughs> and the music yeah. was wonderful. <laughs> well, you know, I, um, I, I just did four of them. I think it was four, but, um, but yeah, a lot of people really love the show. Um, I think that you'll really enjoy Secret Circle. I'm... I'm uh, very pleased with the feel and tone of the show and think it's something that people are going to uh, mm -hmm. really enjoy. It's, it's such a rich material with these witches. and um, There's some clips from the show right now. You can go to the CW website and see them. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward and hope uh, there's more than one season. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think there will be. Okay, cool. And how did you get, after a lot of music for TV movies, uh, for movies, uh, the job for a series? Did the producers ask you, or do you yourself even try to get these projects? There's, it's an all, all sorts of things happen to get a project. Um, mm -hmm. I think the most important thing is, especially when you're starting, is the number of projects you don't get as a young composer. And I always talk to young composers about uh, learning to fail well. Um, you have to strike out a lot before you... You know, most people strike out a lot before they get something going. And even when you get things going, there's times where you're striving for different things and it can be frustrating. Um, it's a combination of working with a really good agent. I'm really 
Uh, I work with a fantastic team at First Artist Management. Um, and uh, people that I know, references, people just liking your music. It just seems like there's a, a, a different web of, of events that occur, and sometimes it's just luck. Mm-hmm. Cool. But it's sort of a combination of all those things sort of woven together. One of the, Probably one of the great mysteries of life is how it all that all works. And out of all your scores, uh, which one is your personal favorite? James Dean, mm -hmm. uh, which is a, uh, the story of James Dean's life that James Franco uh, won the um, Golden Globe for his performance in that, directed by Mark Rydell. And, and that score means a lot to me and um, a film I'm very proud of. And what are your next projects? Well, there's a film which I can't quite talk about, maybe in a couple of weeks. Um, mm -hmm. just, just meeting on this right now. Um, so I don't know if you want to call me back in a, two weeks, I can probably announce it. Um, but uh, right now it's a secret circle, and, um, and then there'll be something else to talk about in the very, very near future. And yeah, because uh, you've written music for Alien Resurrection, we thought about you uh, because, yeah, Goldsmith's death uh, is seven years ago. Is it seven years ago? Yeah. Wow. 2004. Because we had a very big special about Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, yesterday was a long night. So uh, we have asked composers uh, what comes to mind about Goldsmiths. Do we want to talk a little bit? Uh, other than just pure genius? Um, what comes to mind about Goldsmiths? Um, I mean, that's just, uh, what can I say? Um, I think one of the most important things about Goldsmith to me is how he had the ability to make the score a character. Um, if you think about Papillon, um, Boys from Brazil, um, Air Force One, uh, Alien, uh, if you just think about, just to take a couple little examples there, um, uh, or Chinatown, um, mm -hmm. that you, if you really know Goldsmith, you could always tell it was Goldsmith, but if you were just a someone who enjoyed films, he w had the ability to create an image and a feeling with the tone and the choice of instrumentation that w was probably the best storytelling of any film composer there's ever been. Mm -hmm. um, and that goes way beyond musical technique, I think. It goes into understanding what makes a story work. Um, if you think about just the, the, the feeling of the, of the score to Chinatown or the melody of Papia, um, the idea of a waltz in uh, Boys from Brazil, um, uh, that you have uh, such an incredibly rich um, uh, description of the core of the story. Mm -hmm. And that's probably my favorite thing about his work. Mm -hmm. And does he inspire you in your own work? Oh yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't, if he doesn't inspire you, I don't think you're a good film composer. I mean, mm. I mean, what? Well, yeah, it's Jerry. Cool. And have you ever met him? Yeah, I did meet Jerry a few times. I didn't know him well, mm -hmm. um, but I, I did have the honor of uh, having a few good conversations with him. And what is your favorite score from him? Of his? Mm -hmm. uh, today I'll go with Chinatown. Mm, but right. but it's hard to say. I mean it's really hard to say. I mean what's your you know what's your 
your favorite. I mean, they all just, it's, I think what my favorite thing about Goldsmith is the range and the diversity. And, uh, again, the, the, the images that he, um, was able to convey and, and how he was able to tell a story with such different things. Mm -hmm. They are all great. <laughs> yeah. 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 So many great ones. So many. And as soon as you think you understand how many there are, then you find another that you just completely overlooked and, Mm -hmm. uh, quite quite a, an amazing body of work. Yeah, I have um, yeah, fell in love in the, in the scores he wrote for uh, Joe Dante, uh, Looney Tunes, The Burbs, and Gremlins. I love them. <laughs> Gremlins is a fantastic one. I've I've got to see that film again. I haven't seen that in a long time. Mm. I have to see it. Just um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a I've I like to watch films. A lot more than oh, I mean, I like to listen to film scores, but I watch a lot of films too. So I, I, I am a believer that a score should always be reviewed in its context with the film. I don't like the idea of detaching the score so much um, from the film. I, I do think that a really good score should stand on its own own outside of the film, mm -hmm. but I think it's a uh, really should be evaluated and. Um, thought of in terms of its existence within the film. Mm -hmm. And have you one personal sentence about Goldsmith? Have I one sentence? Mm -hmm. um, there will never be another Jerry. And one more little, little thing about you. I call five terms and you tell me just briefly what comes to your minds. Okay? Oh, great. Good, good little game here. Okay. <laughs> film music. Storytelling. Orchestra. Cellos. Favorite movie? Godfather. Hollywood? Uh, personalities. And end of work. And what? End of work. Work? Mm -hmm. uh, try to make work what you love. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah, that was it. For the questions. <laughs> Great, and and thanks so much. Really fantastic questions, and again, my apologies for the delay this morning. <laughs> no problem, and yeah, thank you too. Uh, was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, have a great day. Yeah, you too. <laughs> bye bye. Bye.